0: Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. You know, the problem about burnout for me has always been that you work really hard on something for a while, and then it goes really well because you worked so hard on it, but then you're so tired that there's absolutely zero feeling of celebration. Like, this has always been true for me. I remember in school, like there would be that part of the semester where you have all your tests or, like, you have to write a big paper or whatever. You have to do a big school thing. And it's, like, twice a year or something, the rare moment where you have to, like, really cram. And I'd put so much effort into it. And then after, like, 10 days of very little sleep and writing a paper, I'd get it back and it'd be like, wow, that was a great paper. And I'd sit there and I'd, like, Sit there with the feeling of nothing. Like, oh, God. It's so meta because I'm talking about it and I'm like disgusted with myself for talking about it, but it's because I'm feeling it right now. It's like I'm feeling this incredible flatness about my feelings in the past because I'm feeling this incredible flatness about my feelings currently. Like, yeah. Like there was this intense period recently of hiring a bunch of people to like start a thing from scratch, to start a little project from scratch and get this little seasonal bar going and hired like 10 people. And I get so, I've talked about this before, but I get so, not paranoid, but I get so hyper-focused on it because... I really need validation and I really need everyone around me to like me and stuff for like some sort of performance-based thing. And the part of my performance right now that I feel like people judge me on is how well new people get, well new people get picked and how well new people get integrated into the larger group. So I get super hyper-focused on it and I interview like a ton of people and like really fucking study all these resumes. And then I, sit there with all these candidates that i've met and i like pick out these people that i think are going to be good at the job and a good culture fit and then once i bring them in i'd like sit down with them for hours and just like explain the context of everything and the history of everything and how we need things to be done and like really explain the standard and it's like exhausting to just have hours and hours of one-on-one conversations with like a dozen people in two three weeks just like bracketed with real work around all of that because like the one-on-one stuff is so extra on top of all the real work that needs to happen and then you know then there's very little sleep and then finally it like works out and everyone's integrated and everyone's work and everyone knows what they're doing and and then it goes really well and then I'm like slow so sleep deprived that I just sit there with like this flatness. I just sit there with this, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't think I'm, like, deeply, deeply burnt out or anything. I think there's a lot of um, safeguards in place. Like, I think it's a very short-term, small-picture thing. It's not a big-picture thing, but I don't know. Burnout is so, like, fickle and hard to define and and I don't even know if I really believe, like I think a part of me has been very, maybe this is not that interesting to talk about, because I, I don't know anything about it. I think a part of me has always been a little bit skeptical, because like, um, I remember being a kid and my mom's friend was like burnt out. She worked super hard at the government insurance bureau, where you just have this like Kafka-esque onslaught, an avalanche, a waterfall of cases hitting your desk. And each case is like an individual's life who gets completely destroyed if you don't deal with it. And don't make a judgment call on if they get um, th- their, ins- their government insurance pays out or not. So you like push yourself really, really hard because like each one means so much to that individual person. And they're all like people in dire straits person it's such a funny job if you think about it it's really like it's really like hell if you really think about it because like i i do think that that's the territory of like um not when you really get there. Cause like sometimes you just hit your limit of the energy you have. And like, sometimes I hit my limit of the energy I have. I'll be on hour 13. Like I'll show up at noon. I work all day <clears throat> making the restaurant run. And then at the end of the day at like 10 PM, I have to write, I have to respond to a bunch of emails for like stuff for an hour and a half. And then I have to do like liquor ordering and I have to look at all of our I have to look at all of our inventory to see what we're like low on in terms of liquor. And it's like, you know, it's like hundreds of bottles of liquor. They have to sort of like scan to be like, what's missing here? And it's actually a very weirdly difficult puzzle. Because then you have to consider all these things of like, well, first of all, it's hard to look at 100 items and be like, oh, this is the thing that's not here. But then... You have to puzzle it together with all these different vendors that sell all the stuff. And then you have to pu- consider how, if you buy larger amounts, you get a better price. But if you, so you want to be low so you can buy a really big amount. But if you run out, that's like the worst thing because then you're not making it. Then you're losing a lot of money on not selling it. So it's like all these different weird considerations. It's actually a very big brain puzzle. <clears throat> but so, um, Sometimes I'm out there like at 12.30 a.m., like just after midnight, already been there 12 hours, and I just run out of steam. And I'm just like, I actually can't do Like I'm, I have no energy. And at that moment, the human body has lots of extra levels of energy. Like if, I'd, if in that situation someone came in and was like, pulled a gun on me and was like, follow me right now or I'll blow your brains out. It's like, of course I'd have more energy. Or if you're like, you know, a mother fucking lifting a car up because your child is trapped under a burning, you know, burning beam under a collapsing house in an avalanche or whatever. Of course, there's more energy. There's more, there's lots of extra. But like getting yourself into a mind state where you tap into your extra levels of secret energy for work because of capitalism. (laughs) I think that's what burnout is. And so I think it's, important when you get ultra tired and you're debating whether or not to really take open your mind up to to tap into the extra levels of like backup energy that we have deep in our souls I think it's important to ask like is this important does this matter because we do probably I don't know man it's so difficult like what where do we draw the line between just like being really disciplined and being really hardworking, which are good things versus like doing irreparable harm to yourself because you're really pushing yourself too hard. Like there's no fucking, you know, instruction manual to the human body in that sense. I mean, there's an instruction manual to the human body, but there is no instruction manual to the, Inner, like the experiential quality of it all. Like the inside of the experience. Like what it feels like to be inside of a consciousness and to get these signals of how tired you are and then to interpret how tired I am. Like what does that signal mean? The ting- signal says I'm really tired and I'm kind of like it's getting harder and harder to think because I'm so fatigued. But I could just force myself to think. And really, oh God, it's really like a very uncomfortable state. The lower tier stuff where you're so tired that you're tapping into like really backup energy it sucks because you you're thinking really bad at that time and and you're re- you become really inefficient and you can keep going you can keep working but now you're like op- operating at like 30 percent capacity and you're way slower so like Stuff that would normally take you an hour is now going to take you three and a half hours because you're just sort of like walking around aimlessly, losing your trail of thought, just being really inefficient. And then, so you've already put in 12 hours and now you're really tired and you have an hour more of work to do, but it takes three and a half hours. So now <clears throat> that makes your whole workday 14 and a half hours. It's like, it's really bad. Like the territory's is there at the tail end. That late stage capitalism stuff that you get into there at the end, it's really sort of it's dicey, man. It's it's a dubious place to spend any time in and, and it's like But yeah, I just wish I just wish it wasn't so true that like <clears throat> there was no celebration like you you push yourself really hard and things go really well, but then there's no celebration in your mind. You don't get to feel good about it because you're so burnt out. That's the thing that bothers me the most because in the end, I really believe that what I did wrong in my life and my brain and like the habits, the cognitive habits that I set up for myself in early life, the deep grooves that I keep staying, that I've made the, the deeply ingrained habits in my mind are so much about how there are pivotal moments that we look forward to and then I I worry about the pivotal moment for weeks before getting to it, but then once the pivotal moment goes really well, I don't like bask in the glory of it in a commensurate way to the worry beforehand because it, it should be a one-one comparison. It should be one-one. Like if you have, if you experience 1,000 units of worry beforehand spread out over three weeks, then after the pivotal thing goes really well, I really think that the only fair way to live your life is that you should now be experiencing exactly 1,000 units of happiness and celebration, thinking back on the glorious thing, spread out over the next three weeks after the pivotal moment. But that never happens. Like the truth is that how I actually live my life, love how I'm like losing my voice talking about this because I'm so like fucking burnt out. It's very meta. Um what was I saying? The truth is that I experienced 1000 units of worry before the pivotal thing, but then after the pivotal thing happens, the amount of celebration I experience is about half a unit, meaning that there's a 2000x discrepancy there. There's a 2000x imbalance between happiness and unhappiness in how I live my life, and that really bothers me, man. So what, what should that mean? It means that, like right now, things are, dude, we've had some days in the recent past where it's like, things, go, things are going so well. And it's so much about how I put so much time in, weeks in advance leading up to it, preparing everyone for it, bringing enough people in, getting it all ready, panicking weeks in advance when there's still time to do something about something. <clears throat> and then things go really well, and we put numbers on the board, and I should just be like celebrating, but I should, I should be happy about it right now. Yesterday was amazing. The day before was amazing. Last seven days have been amazing. <sighs> but I'm not a happiness robot. I'm a suffering robot. That's how the restaurant gods made me. Does that mean that if I was made in the image of the restaurant gods that they suffer? Probably. Dude, I had a weird day yesterday. I like, at 4 a.m. or something, I'm going to bed or like 3.30 a.m. Nah, 3 a.m. I'm going to bed and I just happened to check my schedule even though my schedule is the same every week and then I just realized that like London sort of changed it a little bit so I'm showing up at noon instead of 1 p.m. And I'm like, all right and I fall asleep, and I just, I wake up, and I just can't move, like, I'm so tired that I can't move, and I get out of bed, and I I literally, I couldn't even make coffee, so I just, like, take a shower and go to work, and it's Black Friday, and I walk in, I haven't had any water, I haven't had any coffee, I haven't had any food. It's just, I woke up, I took a shower, I got dressed, I went to work, so I'm hoping to, like, um... I'm hoping to have some coffee, it's the truth. But it was just like, there's 200 people in there. <laughs> there's 200 people in there. And my buddy Coral, she's freaking out. She's freaking out. And Larry keeps calling her Stressica Simpson. <laughs> That's his nickname for her. And I should have scheduled like four servers, two bartenders, but I scheduled one bartender, one server. So it was just me in London, and La- it was just the bosses. It was just all the managers bartending all day. Stressica Simpson did a really good job, and um, yeah, and I just like bartended for hours, and I was all lightheaded. Like, Luke, Doctor Luke would always tell me how like we mouth breathe all night, so. So, so much water leaves our bodies through our mu- through the mouth when you're sleeping and you wake up with this like bone dry mouth, thumping headache because you're so dehydrated when you wake up. Like the moment you wake up is the most dehydrated moment. And then when you, when you wake up and you don't drink any water and you just get immediately pulled into like eight hours of work. And look, man, I'm an introvert. Like this stuff is really difficult for me. Because what it turns into is like, I'm standing behind the bar, I'm making drinks, there's a ticket printer, just printing tickets that are needed out in the restaurant from the servers. And it's a, it's just like a fountain. It's just a little fountainhead, you know, it's just a little waterfall of tickets. And then before me, standing before me are forty people... 14 people sitting on bar stools that also need drinks. And then behind them, this is Black Friday bullshit, where it's like, it just gets so busy. Behind that line of this row of 14 people, there's a second row of people standing, trying to peer between the 14 people, trying to get my attention to order a drink. And then behind them, there's a third row. Three deep. People are just three deep. So it's just like about 50 people just trying to get my attention to staring at me as I'm like quickly, quickly, quickly trying to make drinks for these tickets. And you, you're sort of trying to avoid looking at them because when you look at them, you have to have a conversation and that slows you down in the making of the drink. But it's also really rude to not acknowledge them. So you kind of have to constantly acknowledge them. So you, it's like a truly multitasking thing where you're like, having completely vapid small talk because you have to acknowledge people and just greet them and have small talk to be to do your job properly but with your hands you're making a drink and then there's also 50 people looking at you at the same time and it's like i'm an introvert dude i can't deal with this shit. there's a reason i'm not a bartender i cannot be in that position it kills me so i do that for six hours straight without water or coffee or food And then at the end of it, we just have to, me and the managers, we have to just regroup for a little bit and just be like, what is going on here? Is everyone doing their jobs? And 95% of people are, and then the 5% of people who aren't, you immediately have to deal with it. You can't let anything go. You can't, if you let someone not do their job, it's going to get so much worse. So even though you cannot, you have no energy left because you just stood in front of 50 people for eight hours, just like constantly talking and moving your hands and thinking and multitasking, you now have to sit down and have these like involved therapy office conversations with people and be like, what is going on here? Like, what is going on with you? Why is this like this? Why, why did you used to be that way and now you're this way? Like, what are we doing here? What's going on in your life? And you have to like have emotional patience to hear them. In like a deep, like the broadness of the shallowness of the eight hours of 50 people staring at you versus the one-on-one depth of trying to have emotional grace and patience for looking at one person and why they are crumbling is so like vertigo-inducingly different. And it's so difficult to to change gears there. And be like, okay, now I'm gonna be a therapist. And then you have to do that multiple times with different people. Cause like, it's a pressure cooker and like multiple people are crumbling. And then you have to not be punitive with anyone cause punitive doesn't like, it's just not what I believe in. It's no reason to be punitive with anyone ever almost. <clears throat> it's like, just be clear clear with them what you need. Document, <clears throat> Document the coaching you're doing. Like There really is never a reason to be punitive with anyone. Document what you're doing and and just tell them what you need and tell them how you need them to improve and do that multiple times. And if they're not improving, that's it. It's over. Cut ties. But there's no like, I'm punishing you like this. Like, why would you ever punish anyone? Like, we're grownups now. There is no restaurant jail. There is no restaurant jail. There is just silent treatment. There is just, I'm breaking up with you. There's only divorce. You know? There's only divorce. There's only couples therapy and divorce. Anyway. I gotta go back. I gotta go back right now. I don't even have time to talk about this. I do think it's it worries me that I haven't really had time to do the podcast properly as of late because this is my holy space. Like, I bought three different books on the Sabbath. I'm going to talk about this at some point. But, like, I bought three different... I'm really getting into this. Um, I'm really interested in rest. I'm really interested in what it means to rest in a way that's not... It's really triggered by me reading that book, 4,000 Weeks or whatever. Um and it brings up a couple of books on the Sabbath. And then those books bring up other books on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, it's just such an interesting thing. And, and I, guess I'll, I guess I'll talk to it, talk about it on a, d- a different time. But, but it worries me. I guess all I'll say right now is that it worries me that I don't have time, to, that I haven't had time for multiple weeks to do the podcast. Because this is my, you know, <clears throat> the Sabbath is not a physical space. It is a bastion in time. It is like a fortress in time that keeps you safe. It is like a fortification structure built out of time, not built out of physical material. And you need that um, safe space in time to defend against all the other things that happen, all the other things made of time that attack you, you know? Because there is, you know, there's an invasion there's an invasion. It feels like there's an invasion. I don't know what that means, but I feel it to be true. There's an invasion of fucking time. Okay, I gotta. I guess I gotta just go to work right now. I I love you guys. I I love you guys, and and we'll we'll be back soon. I guess we'll be back soon.